When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. To get you the sports and win any can. It's Mike Francis on. All right, we're here on a uh, hot Thursday evening. Uh, we'll take you right up until 7 o'clock. Brought to you, as always, by Casamigos Tequila. Brought to you by those who drink it. Uh, JJ at 7. Uh, warm day today again. Supposed to be, unless, unless they just miss their uh, calling here. Uh, tomorrow's supposed to be a washout. And we haven't had many days like that. And we haven't had a lot of rain. But they are predicting... Uh, a tremendous amount of rain starting around 5, 6 a.m., and really inches and inches of rain tomorrow where it's a complete washout. So we'll see if that's the case, uh, but it could be. So uh, if you got your golfing today, you're good. Uh, and I know people have been flocking to the golf courses in record numbers. Talking about golf today, uh, Mirakawa's shot a seven under so far. He leads the uh, the workday at uh, Muirfield. They're at Muirfield two weeks in a row, which is very strange. I understand that. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of people playing this week. And right now, uh, the very talented Mirica leads the uh, field uh, right now. But there's a bunch of guys right there at five under, four under, three under. There's a lot of the usual suspects. So a uh, whole lot of uh, golf to be played, that's for sure. And uh, plenty of guys in the mix. I want to see if somebody who's big through in a really, like, terrible round. Uh, yeah, how about this? Um, Bubba Watson shot seven over, but no one thought he would win anyway. Um, I don't see anybody else at the three over, at the two over. Kepka was two over. You know Kepka's not motivated to win these tournaments. Wait for the majors with him. Um um, Justin Rose, two over. Mm-mm. Now we're at Rahm is at even par. Spieth at even par. Leishman, even par. Mickelson, even par. He's got one hole to play. Uh, minus two, Cantley. Uh, Hovland, minus three. Um, 
Masayama, five under, Zach Johnson, five under, and Mirakawa, seven under. So that's it after one day of the tournament. I remember they're back next week. Jack's tournament, Tiger's going to play in that. They were going to have spectators. Now they're not. But Jack's tournament next week there as we get a little deeper into the uh, golf season. We're still a couple of weeks away from baseball. We'll hope and wait and see what happens. We mentioned yesterday about the uh, uh, ramifications of what it meant that the Ivy League canceled. We're waiting to see what everybody else is going to do in college football. No IV sports. Uh, we know that uh, they haven't yet committed to a spring season. They may do that uh, in the near future, but they haven't yet committed, and we'll see where that leaves college football. Uh, baseball right now, two weeks away. It's supposed to begin two weeks from this evening with the Yankees and the Nats. Uh, two weeks from tonight, so if we can uh, keep things from getting crazy for two weeks, we could have baseball back. Um, the other story is the Med ownership, and as I told you yesterday, don't react to every twist, turn, leak, story that's leaked, information that's leaked. Hey, all you care about is, A, is the team being sold against us? Yes. And you hope it's sold to somebody who has the resources to give you what you want as a fan. That's all. Like I said yesterday, we would make Steve Cohen the favorite for a variety of reasons, including A, he's got the most money, and B, he is already a partial owner of the team. Um, He is motivated by every account. Uh, So I would not make him a lock by any stretch of the imagination, but I would make him the favorite right now to get the team, although we're only in the initial bidding. And like I said, don't react to every... So you see, it's going to be covered like it's a, an event. And really, all you're going to get is just information that they want you to have that they feel impacts negotiations. That's the only motivation they have to put it out. There's no motivation otherwise for that. You want to get the message out that you want the other people who are bidding to hear. That's it. That's who that message is for. None of this is for the fans. They're not worried about the fans right now. The fans will be dealt with when the new ownership is in place. That's all. Who's to say one owner is better than the other owner anyway? What you're going to wait and see is what that owner brings in terms of motivation, resources, and dedication to putting a winner on the field. And being able to put, they're all capable of putting the right people in place. They've done that in other businesses. They can do it in this business. It doesn't mean it's not uh, difficult to do. It's not easy to do. And it's not automatic just because you've been successful in business, you're going to be successful in this business. There are plenty of guys in the NFL and throughout sports who have bought franchises after being very successful and have run those franchises into the ground. Some run into the ground by design but others run into the ground because of inept management. And it has happened on numerous, numerous occasions. But don't let anybody tell you that there's not a market for the Mets. It's ridiculous. And that the franchise is not a valuable. It's somehow in this world of uh, chaos we're in right now with the pandemic that somehow the franchise uh, is not worth anything or is not worth anywhere near what it was. Nonsense. Look long-term. Now, 
if the pandemic is going to be with us and we're going to have no spectators in the seats for the next 15 years, yes, well, you know what? Life as we know it is over, if that's the case. So you can't look at baseball in that vacuum because everything will have radically changed if that's the case. You're going to go on the premise that, you know, a year from now or some reasonable amount of time after that, that you're going to be able to put spectators in the stands when we're back to normal. At that point, the franchise has enormous value. But the smart player understands that the winning ticket from an ownership standpoint involves option on the real estates, real estate around the stadium and the network. Two very, very important ingredients. As far as the Mets on the field, we'll touch on that with Eddie C. when we come back. All right, the, uh, Eddie will join us in a couple of minutes. He's doing something with one of the players right now. Now, you've seen that uh, in recent minutes that you've seen these conferences go to uh, uh, conference only, okay? Looks like all of them, three of them have. Uh, Big Ten announced it would go move the conference-only schedule for the fall. Uh, ACC and Pac-10 have done the same. Big 12 and SEC are expected to follow. Um, what do independents do? And it leads to the obvious question, what does Notre Dame do? Okay, that does not mean any of them are playing yet. And I think the fact that they've gone to conference only, all right, which means some of the great rivalries are already gone. You know, Clemson, Clemson, you know, South Carolina is an example. You know, something like that. You know, you can go think about all the, all the, you know, a million of them. Um, Notre Dame will never go to a conference. People think, oh, this is it. Notre Dame's not going to go to a conference. Notre Dame will not go to a conference. They will not do it. Now, this year could bring anything because now you're talking about a streamline. The fact that they already moved to a conference only. See, I told you once, I told you the other day, once the Ivy moved, it was going to cause a huge groundswell. The Ivy moved yesterday, and now everybody's starting to move. This is just the first step to conference only. We don't know if they're going to play. I think they're going to play in the spring if they're going to play at all. I think they're going to back it off and try and play in the spring. So I don't think Notre Dame's going to play, but we don't know yet. We're not there yet. But obviously, Notre Dame right now doesn't have a place to play because if it's conference only, they're not playing anybody. And Notre Dame is not a conference member. You know that. Nor will they ever be. Joe in Manhattan. What's up, Joe? Joe going once. Yes, Joe, what's up? I just wanted to ask you, uh, what do you think is the best decision for the Notre Dame football team since the ACC and the Big Ten... Well, they're all playing conference. Listen, we don't know that anybody's playing. All they've said is they're only playing a conference schedule this year. We don't know that they're playing at all. They've just abbreviated their schedule is all they've done so far. The cancellation of the Ivy was a huge move. Because remember, the Ivy has such stature and they have so much power inside their walls because they have the best scientists, the best doctors, the best academicians all inside their their schools. So when they move, they move based on very sound logic. And and that's why you knew when they move that other people will move after. I think this is only the first move. I don't think they're going to play this fall. I really don't in college football. I think they'll wind up moving into the spring. What if they go with the Big Ten? 
What do you mean? Uh, Notre Dame is not going to play in a, in a conference. I'm telling you right now, they're not going to join a conference now for one year to do this. It's not going to happen. It's a. They're probably not going to play. Look at already some of the U. What does Notre Dame do with their USC game, which is the biggest rivalry they have? I mean, come Mike, on, they, they're, they're not going to do that. What you say? Big Ten teams are really close. Listen. The 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 most what is the most long standing series that Notre Dame plays? First USC and and what conference are they in? So I mean the idea you think Notre Dame's going to the Big Ten? Notre Dame's allegiance is to the ACC in every other sport. It is not to the Big Ten. Now come on, Notre Dame is going to get left in the cold here, but don't there might not be a cold here. There might not be anything here. This is just the first step. What it shows you is they're not ready to have a season. That's what you learn today is the Power Five. I told you yesterday, let's see now what the Power Five does once Ivy moved. I told you yesterday when Ivy moved, it was a sign that everything is going to break down. Now you have the leagues come out today and say, we're only playing conference games. That's just the first step. And it's an enormous step because it cuts out some enormous games. It cuts out any Notre Dame game. It cuts out great rivalries like Clemson, South Carolina, uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech. I could go on and on. There's a million of them. So you don't have any of these games anymore because they're going to play. And now Notre Dame, remember, doesn't play in the conference. So they play everybody. How does it affect them? Do these schools, you didn't say, they didn't say we're playing conference games only plus Notre Dame if they're on our schedule. You didn't hear that. But remember... This is just step one. That's all this is. But the Ivy was incredibly meaningful. And the Ivy has not committed yet to football in the spring. All they've said is they will not play any sports until 2021. That's all they said. Tom in uh, Cornwall. What's up, Tom? Hey, Mike. How you doing? I just Good. wanted to touch in with you because I totally agree with you with the domino effect because – I, uh, I coach high school baseball, and in the spring, I remember that Friday, the message came out that the Ivy Leagues are canceling spring sports, and then by the afternoon, the Patriot League had gone, Yep. and then all of a sudden, high school, so you're, you're right. And the Ivy, exactly everybody cool. understands that the brain power resides in the Ivy League. So when the yeah. Ivy League moves, it means that they have gone to their presidents and they've said, listen, what does the president do? He goes down the hall to the leading scientist at his school and says, tell me what we should do. And the scientist says, here's what you should do. Okay. And that yeah. bottom line is that's what happens in Harvard and Yale and Penn and Princeton. They get together and when they move, the rest of the world says, hey, the smart guys did this. So yeah. we're doing this. Well, you're right. And they're doing, uh, they had announced a couple days ago, I guess it was, that they are completely online until January. So Yes. Now, you. again, we, we, you know, we don't know that yet. You're right. You're right. We don't know who, and that's going to be very much an individual thing with colleges and in school districts as to whether they're going to have, and really a lot of it's going to have to do with a lot of things. Remember. School districts that have more money have a better chance to prepare their school for what they need in terms of safeguarding than schools that are in poor neighborhoods and don't have as big a budgets. We know that. That's just the way it is. Does that have an impact? Now, I saw Cuomo say that he wasn't going to make any decisions on schools in the state of New York until August. 
hey, listen, the bottom line is it's starting to look like there will be no no real meaningful sports in the fall in college. We don't know that yet for sure. All you've seen them do now is back off the to where they're only playing conference schedules. That's a very big move, though. That's a very big move. It takes a lot of big games out of a lot of these schools. Think about it. Think about some of these crossover games that are played every year. Think about some of the big rivalry games that are played every year. So these are very, very big games. SEC, think of them going outside the league and playing certain teams. Or the Big Ten going outside, Michigan playing Notre Dame, or you know Notre Dame Purdue, uh, Notre Dame USC as an example. And Notre Dame plays into this in a very obviously very very big way. Rich in Long Island, what's up, Rich? Hey Mike, how are you? Um, Good. Just uh, real quick on Mahomes, he got he got an exorbitant amount of money. I understand that, but I always wondered that when a, when a player gets that kind of money, does it bode well for the coach at all? Like, does it do anything from down the line? Put feathers in his cap at all? Like, you know, on his um, marketability because he really, I mean, he developed Mahomes. Mahomes has incredible physical talent, but I mean, he comes out and says that he didn't even learn how to read defenses until two, two, late into 2018. So Reed had something to do with that. Does it bode well for him when he gets that kind of money? I think any time a listen, any time a coach wins with a player, they have taken a great step together, and they've they've built the bond. Mahomes and Andy, Andy and Mahomes have a bond now that lasts forever. Okay, just like uh, Walsh and Montana did, just like Brady and Belichick have, just like Parcells had with Lawrence Taylor, let's say. Okay, uh, you know, with your greatest player. Okay, so the bottom line is, anytime they win together, the bond is developed, and the coach, his job is to win and win with the great player. What the player makes doesn't impact the player, the coach. It really doesn't. The coach doesn't say, "Wow, I'm really." I really feel like I accomplished something because Mahomes is making X. No. But what he's saying is, I brought this kid in. I saw something. I was bold. I went and traded up for him. And he turned out to be everything that I dreamt about. Two years in, he breaks records. He's the only quarterback by 25 to win the MVP and win a Super Bowl for his team. The only quarterback in history. So they've done great things together. So, yes, they are, they're already – Andy and, and Mahomes are really bonded. What will, will really bond them will be when they win their second one together. Then, they're, then they go through history together. That's the way it works. Once they win their second. Uh, Dean, that could happen this year. Dean and Durham, what's up, Dean? Hey, Mike, how are you? Good. Um, what was coming out of uh, stuff on the ACC I read today that if they went to a conference-only schedule, Notre Dame would be included in the mix. Notre they Dame already... hasn't agreed to that. I guess uh, Notre Dame they... said tonight that they have not agreed to that. No, no, but the offer would be extended. Well, of course. They've, they've, wanted, they've wanted Notre Dame in the league for Everybody's wanted Notre Dame in their league forever, forever. The, but but Notre Dame will never go to a – will never become part of a, a, a conference. Of, they, I'm not saying for one year they won't say, 
because of craziness, we can only play with this league this year. I'm not right. saying they wouldn't amend their schedule for one year, but Notre Dame will never, ever join a conference in football. That would be a one-year thing. Now, for one year, they might have to, because of if everyone's doing something, they might have to line up with somebody for one year. That's possible. I would not say that's impossible because you're talking about a one-year special thing, just like you're seeing in baseball this year. Okay, a lot of things that happened this year are not going to happen again. That could happen for Notre Dame this year because otherwise they don't have a schedule. But is Notre Dame going to go to a conference full-time? No, they will not do that. They, uh, they, they, they will not do that. And they will not commit to that. Back after this. All right, we're back. Let's touch a little uh, touch on the Mets with Eddie. Uh, obviously, fans uh, are hearing the buzz about the uh, sale, but you know that could take months. It could take weeks. Could take months. Uh, there's going to be a lot of rumors. Uh, you'll find out when you find out. You're going to be a lot of twists and turns. Probably, if I had a guess, I would make Cohen the favorite, but I would not make him the overwhelming favorite. But I'd say there's four groups that are probably serious, and he's the, on top of the list. Uh, but let's talk about the team with Eddie. Eddie, welcome. How are you? Good, Mike. How you doing? All right. Uh, a couple questions. Number one, who closes, Eddie? Uh, I think it's Diaz, uh, and I've thought that all along. I, I, I think he's going to be the guy. It's interesting, though. You know, uh, Luis Rojas has not uh, wavered at all from what he was telling us in February and March. Uh, every time we bring it up, uh, you know, what's what's uh, going to be the setup and uh, you know who the setup guys, uh, what's the order out in the bullpen, uh, he brings them all in. He's got Batances and Familia and Lugo all in the mix. So, uh he hasn't wavered on that, and I, I don't know when he will. I mean, at some point, I think when you're probably down after those Yankee exhibition games on the 17th and uh, 18th, or 18th and 19th, whatever it is, uh, those final five days, he'll probably make some decisions then. But up until then, I, I don't think so. But, I, I mean, I, I'd be shocked if it's not uh, Edwin Diaz. I really would. Is If the manager is different than, than last manager, how is he different? Well, I just I think he's he's kept all his options open. Uh, now that may be his choice, and it may be the organization's choice. I don't know which. Uh, I, I honestly don't, uh, because you know when spring training got cut short, it's kind of hard. You don't probably have the uh, rapport that you have, uh, and you don't talk to as many people. You just didn't have the time. So uh, you know that that part of it is uh, it leaves you a little bit short. But uh, if he's, I, I think he's thoroughly prepared. Uh, I, I think he. Uh, he knows exactly what, what kind of what kind of guy is he going to be? Is he going to be easy on the players? Is he going to be a disciplinarian? Is he going to be what, what, what's his what's his uh, way of doing yeah, business? That's that's kind of, it's kind of hard to figure in a sense, Mike, because he I, I think he he's not going to be a strict disciplinarian. I think he he knows too many of these guys as they have come up through the system uh, to do that. But at the same time, I think you know they know he's the boss and he's the man. So uh, you know they uh, they have respect for him. I do know that. Uh, uh, and even the veteran players, even the Cespedes and the Canos, uh, they have respect for Luis. And, you know, basically uh, those guys are pretty much his age, you know. Uh, he's in his late 30s. So uh, I think that, uh, you know, he'll command respect. I, I do think he's he's going to be tough. I think I think he'll be firm, let's put it that way. And I do think he's going to try to use uh, his roster. I think, uh, I think there are going to be situations where guys are not going to want to sit, but they're going to have to sit. They're just going to have to take a game off because he wants him, uh, he wants him to be fresh. I think we've seen that in, in the way he's, he's kind of utilized players, moving them all around already. You know, J.D. Davis in the outfield, J.D. Davis at third base, Cespedes here, there. Uh, you know, uh, both a D.H. and an outfield. 
other. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of that. Uh, I, I think he, I think the two things that, that he knows he's going to need are depth. I think everybody wants that, whether you have 60 or 162. The other is versatility. And if he has them both, uh, and health, which is the most important thing, I, I think he thinks he'll be all right. Uh, we're talking with AC about the Mets. Um, is this a teaching staff, an instructional staff, or is it a staff that kind of lets players just be? No, I think it's instructional, yeah. I mean, you have a guy like Gary DeSarcino, the third base coach. Uh, he works with J.D. very much at, uh, at third base. He's the infield coach as well. I think Chili Davis is, uh, is that way as well. I mean, I think he's very instructional, too. Now, Chili's an old-school guy. Uh, you know, I don't think he's going to try to revamp swings. He works with what he has and, and what, uh, what's best for guys. Uh, I, I think that's the way he's always worked. Uh, but they like Chili a lot. There's no question about that. So I think that uh, you know, and Hefner is is young as well too. Hef doesn't, uh, you know, this is his first you know pitching coach opportunity, uh, but he gets along well with uh, with all the guys. Uh, they have a lot of respect for him. He stayed on top of things when you know they were off for the two and a half months, uh, you know, from mid March or so till uh, you know till they got back here. And and uh, honestly, Mike, you know, you look at the pitchers right now. That was one thing I think that all of us were kind of worried, uh, not worried about, but just wondering about what kind of shape they were going to be in and how much they'd have to ramp up. These guys are, are pretty much good to go almost right Yeah, now. the pitchers have been ahead of the hitters, no question oh, about it. Yeah, But they usually are in spring training. But the yeah. thing is, you know, you, you didn't know after the ramp down and then trying to ramp back up in a spring training two, so to speak, um, and, and how much work they did uh, – you know, by being away, but a lot of guys found opportunities. Like Stephen Matz, uh, you know, said uh, he he found an opportunity at least once a week to get out there for four innings and pitch to live hitters. There were a lot of he was in the Nashville area, so there were a lot of players around the area that got together and, and worked that way. Degrom was on the mound a couple of times a week, so a lot of guys are are more advanced or further along, I think, than you might think. All right, Eddie, the Cespedes, uh, what is what do the Mets perceive his role to be, and what does Cespedes perceive his role to be? <laughs> I think Cespedes perceives his role to be 60 games <laughs> playing, playing every day. I th- Where? Yeah, well, I think he, uh, you know, they, they've been working him in, in the outfield. Now, he really hasn't done a lot of running, so that's, that's going to have to be proven over time. Uh, I think that he's probably going to DH a lot, uh, but at the same time, they have a number of guys they can use there. But I do think they want to see what they can get out of him. Is Cespedes going to cut into Davis's time? Uh, I don't necessarily think so because, you know, if Cespedes is in left, you can have J.D. as the D.H., uh, and you could have McNeil at third, and if Cano's playing at second, that's fine. You could certainly have J.D. as the D.H. You know, I, I, J.D. and Dom may have to split some time if Cespedes plays a lot in the outfield. Now, um, you know, I, I think what the Mets would rather have, if, if, the, if you have a healthy Cespedes and a guy who can move around out there with his arm, you know, he probably, I think we been through this a million times. He probably should play right with his arm, but he's not going to. He's well, he won't do that. Right. You know he won't do that. He's not doing that. But are you better off with and and listen, I, I like Dom Smith as a defensive player, but he's a first baseman. Okay, He's not a right fielder. And, and he's and, a good hitter too. And he's a, he's a very good hitter. But yeah. I think ideally, if you had a healthy Cespedes who could move out there uh, with his arm, you'd want him in left field as opposed to either J.D. or Don. That's just my feeling. and I, I think that's what they're looking at. Now, I don't know if they can have that. That's what they're trying to find out if they can't have it well then you know he'll he'll dh a little bit more and you're going to have to you know use jd and uh and don that's it's not a bad way to go either you want their bats in the lineup there's no question 
but you know, defensively, you're probably a little bit better off with Cespedes if he's healthy and can move. See, I think um, I'm talking with Eddie C about the Mets. You know that Pete's going to play every day. You know that he's going to play. You know, fi- you know if he's healthy, he's going to play 58 of these games, right? You got to figure. Probably, you know, yeah, you know, 55 there, but yeah, 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 right around there, okay. And maybe you DH him once a week, or you know, once every two weeks to keep him healthy. You know that kind of thing. Sure. Uh, and obviously, uh, when you look at the rest of that team. You know, there's a couple other guys there that you know are the foundation guys. The one thing I think that they're not going to do, which I think they should do, is I think they should, you know, find a position to give McNeil to play rather than move him all over to play his games. And I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to wind up playing him everywhere, which I don't. I really don't think is fair to him because I think he could become a star. And I think it's going to be hard to be a star when you're playing four positions. It's just, uh, is, it's very difficult to do. Who is this, McNeil? You're talking yeah. About? yeah. yeah. yeah no, I, I honestly, th- I think, Mike, that he is going to play a majority of games at third base. That's but what about when Cano's off? They're going to put him at second, right? Uh, yes, yeah. I, I do believe because he's, he's... So he's, Cano's not going to play every day. So you know Cano's going to miss two games a week. So McNeil's going to play those two days at second and maybe Davis plays third those days, okay? Right. The yeah. bottom line, though, is I think you don't want to keep moving McNeil all over the field. I don't... I, listen... He can be Ben Zobrist, I understand, but he's better than that. He could be better than that as a player. I really believe that. He could actually be a big-time player. I think he deserves to have a position. It probably should be second base, but Cano's here, so it's not going to happen. So you could give him third base and say no one else plays third, but that doesn't make sense because you're going to want to play him at second when Cano's out. So I guess McNeil's going to have to just get used to playing a lot of positions. Yeah, he's actually he's worked out some in the outfield, too. I think there are times when you might move him there. The the one thing the the good thing to me about McNeil is is this is that you know I like I said I think the majority of games he is going to start at third base that doesn't mean he's going to end up there by the end of the game you know right. you can do some switches you can move him over you can and he said him. second's his best position he yeah, told I, me he, he told me his posi- best position is second base I, I think he probably believes that and I think that's probably true I think he could be. Uh, a pretty decent third baseman. We'll see. We're going to find out. But I, I think he could he could be that. Uh, and I, like I said, I think the majority of time... He what he can be as a batting champion is what yes, he can be. Yes, he could do that. That's for, that's for sure. And that's, you know, listen, ultimately, that's what he cares about. And, uh, you know, he wants to hit, and uh, he's he's not going to be shy about going after well. He wants to be at the top of that lineup and set the stage, uh, set the, you know, set the tableau for the, uh, for the bangers uh, that follow him. So, hey, listen, uh, you know, he has hasn't gotten enough attention, and obviously we know why, okay? When you have a guy come in and hit 50 home runs, it's going to get attention, and he's a dynamic personality. But McNeil has a chance to be everything that they thought Greg Jeffries was going to be and and everything that they thought that Murphy was going to be every year. This guy can be a legitimate 325, 330 hitter with 20 home runs. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. You know, you saw his power surge in the second half, and 
he's been asked that several times already about uh, you know what kind of hitter he's going to be this year. Is he going to be the first half average guy that we saw, or is he going to be the second half power? That no, he's going to be a power hitter. He's going to be a guy who's going to hit. He's not going to hit thirty home runs. He's going to hit twenty home runs and hit three twenty five. I think he's. I think he's. He's a solid hitter. I think. He's well, that's what he would hit in a regular year. I shouldn't say you got to prorate it to sixty games, but you know what I mean. The point yeah, is, I yeah, I think he's yeah. going to be a solid hitter, and uh, you know, I don't think he's a forty home run guy. But he's, no, he's, no, he's not. I think he's a twenty to twenty five homer guy, but he's a legitimate star. He really is. Yeah, yeah no, I think he can be. I, I absolutely think he can be. Uh, he, listen, he's a big part of the picture. I don't think there's any question. He's he's going to get his four at bats per game. That's the thing. That's why I think, uh, like I said, I, I think he'll start a game. Uh, mainly at third base, but that doesn't mean he. Might but is that impact? Is that hard? For, is that going to take away from his hitting that he has to move around so much? I don't think so. Uh, honestly, Mike, I really don't. It does. I don't think anything faces him. To be honest with you, I think he he is so locked in when he goes up there to hit. That's what he wants to do. He loves to do it. I think it's you know it's it's in a sense like Murph. Uh, McNeil is a better defensive player than Murph was. There's no doubt about that. Right. Uh, but he's you know I I think he's locked in there. I don't think it's it's going to bother him. You know, it's not. I mean, if if you were Shifting around, if you had you know if seven games a week or whatever, and he's starting third two games, starting second another two, starting in the outfield another two. I you know that might, but I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. I think the majority of his his time is going to be at third base. That's my sense anyway. And also, I mean, I know Cespedes is there, but we you'd like to find out exactly how good Davis is going to be. I mean, Davis yeah. really broke out last year. He did. Uh, I don't, I, and I think they want to get at-bats uh, for J.D. Like, like I said, I, I think they just they want to find what is the limit for Cespedes. I think that's exactly what they want to find out here during this stretch before we start. How has Cespedes looked? He's, looked? he's looked fine. He, he's, listen, uh, I think everybody has been a little overmatched by the pitching when you get into live BP. When you watch batting practice, you know, Cespedes and Al- Alonzo and, and guys like that are clocking the ball and reaching the seats. Uh, you know, he, Cespedes looks terrific in batting practice. Now, he hasn't run a lot. I think you have to see that on a regular basis. And you've also got to see how he moves in the field. You know, that first step, very important out there. So uh, I think you've, you've got to see that. How has he looked? I think I think he looks great. Honestly, uh, he looks a lot better than I thought he would. But again, you know, he's had more time to get ready. I think we always, you know, considered him this year that if the season started on time, he's probably going to join you somewhere around the All Star break. So we're there. Okay, that's we're pretty much at that point uh, right now. And uh, I I think he looks pretty good. So uh, you know that he wants to cash in uh, in his at bats, and you know he wants to put up numbers this year. Um, and we'll see. You know that. Uh, but I, I, I would, uh, I would bank that uh, he's going to have a pretty good offensive season. I would think so. Uh, here's a question. Yeah. If he retires tomorrow, is Cano a Hall of Famer? Mm. <laughs> he's a lifetime 302 hitter at second yeah. base. Nice. He's got, he's got, he's got 1,200 runs scored. He's got 320 homers. He's got 1,300 RBIs. He's a lifetime 300 hitter. He's won multiple Gold Gloves. Uh, you know, he's been, he's finished in the top five or six in the MVP five or six times mm-hmm. uh, as a second baseman. Okay. Um, I would think he. I would think he's probably a Hall of Famer. Uh, here's my thought on it. And, and again, I, I think you know if he had progressed uh, without the steroid problem, um, I, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I do think 
that he can overcome. Well, I'm not counting the steroid problem. Okay, right. if you want to bring him, he did. He, I, I forget that he had that one thing where he got that one steroid issue the second exactly. half of the year. That's right. I got to take that out. But I think he's got Hall of Fame stats when I think of him. Like, I think he's been a good, good enough player when you look at him and realize the guy has uh, t- almost 2,600 hits. Right. Now, if he gets three thousand hits, if he hangs around for three thousand yeah, hits, exactly. and I don't know, I don't know if he will hang around for three thousand hits. I don't know. You know, uh, well, you, you know, don't have time left in his contract. He does. I don't know if he'll be around for it. But I mean, the guy's already hit. He hasn't hit. You know, this isn't a guy who hits a couple of home runs. This guy's got three hundred twenty-five home runs. Yeah, I think he, this has been my thought on on him. And uh, you know, if he had progressed, you know, without the steroid thing, I think he would have been a Hall of Famer. My my feeling is this: that I think what he needs to do uh, is have a bounce back season this year and you know just continue over the next couple of years to i don't know how many years he wants to play does he want to finish out this contract probably okay so if he can play another two or three years and put up decent numbers yes i would think well then he's going to get a thousand hits too if he does that you know i mean three thousand hits which is automatic if uh, not counting the steroids here's the other issue can no second half last year his OPS was about 950 for the second half of the season when he came back off the All-Star break. He was terrible in the first half. Until he got hurt in the second half, he was really hitting really well. Which Cano are we going to see? The guy in the first half, the guy in the second yeah, half? I, I, you know, again, I've only seen him in BP thus far. Uh, you know, he's looked fine and, you know, doing his work, slapping the ball around. Uh, you know, it was hard to judge Cano. Uh, I watched him last spring, not this, you know, past spring, but the, the, the previous one when he first got here, and he looked like the old Robbie Cano, uh, you know, doing everything during spring training, and then the season started, and boom, you know, he just uh, went nowhere. So uh, I don't know what you're going to see and what you're going to get. Uh, I think he knows what's at stake for him this year, and I think that's, you know, it, it's an important year. It's a bounce-back year for him. Yep. Um, you know, I, I know he's close to, you know, the 3,000 hits. Keep in mind, though, that I think it's who is it? Rafael Palmero also has 3,000 hits as well. He's not in the Hall of Fame. And well, that's because he's but, a steroid guy, yes. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, same thing. You know, I forgot about Cano's year out there with the steroids, so you're right about that, too. Um, but I, I, I think Cano's got something left. I, I really do. I, I, yeah. I, I thought the second half he looked like Cano. Now, I can't understand. You know, last year he had the great first game, and then he was dreadful for three months. So right. I don't know exactly what went on, but I thought the second half he really looked like Cano again. Uh, yeah. And, you know, he did hit like... 11, you know, 11 home runs in, in, in the second half last year when he played until he got hurt. And, he, you know, he, he only had like 390 at-bats last year for the whole year. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how much he plays this year. He probably plays, what, five out of seven games a week or something like that? Least, you know? Yeah, I think he's going to be out there on a fairly regular basis. That's my sense. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think he's going to be sitting a lot. I think there will be games. He's th- I, I think that, you know, Luis Rojas will take care of him and, uh, and want him to get some, some downtime. And I'm sure there'll be a few tussles on that, too. You know, you know uh, And who leads off on this team? Who needs off? Who leads off? Oh, who leads? I, I think it's going to be McNeil. Although you know Nimmo's right there, he's got great. Always has great uh, on base percentage numbers. Gets hit an awful lot, you know. Uh, but I, I think McNeil is going to be the guy uh, that will that will be there at the top of the lineup. Uh, he likes to do it. Um, he's very good at it um, and can drive the ball and also can give you some uh, some pop out of that spot too. So I think he's going to lead off. But again, you've got a couple of choices you can do, and you can. You know, Rosario, you can mix in there as well too if you need uh, if you need another guy. So you can bat Rosario two and Cano down in the lineup, or bat Cano in the two spot. Well, the interesting, you know, the thing is with, and I'm not sure how the Mets are going to do this, um, but you know, they're 
they have a DH this year. They never have. It's National League. You know, do you go with having a guy, a good on-base guy at number nine? And, oh, you do. You yeah. definitely do. That's where you yeah. bet Nimmo, I think, is in the nine spot. You it know that? Because be he gives best you best that best double best. leadoff guy. Yeah. And it could, be, it could be Rosario down there, too, as well. Although He doesn't he, walk, though. Yeah, Rosario, uh, he drove the ball very well in the second half. and uh, He hit he well, but he's not a walk guy, though. He doesn't no, walk, he though. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. So you'd like a double leadoff guy. I think Nimmo fills that. Well, if he's playing, you know, if yep. if he's playing, I could see that. And it, and obviously, you know, the middle of the orders. Uh, but I, you think you know, they'll bat McNeil leadoff? I, I do. Yeah. You know, another guy that you might watch too. And again, I don't think he plays a major role. But I, I thought it was very interesting that they signed Melky Cabrera. Uh, you know, Melky is uh, Melky will help them if they put him on the team. He's, he's a hitter. And uh, switch hitter, and he's also a guy. You know, I think his lifetime average is two eighty five. He's always and you know who his buddy is. Yes, I know. Yeah, you but, know they were in, they, they were inseparable. You know that. Uh, yes, I know. Yes. So that that uh, I, I'm sure that helped. You know, in getting him yes. uh, here as well. But they they have some interesting options on the bench. Matt Adams is another guy too. He gives you some power. Uh, you know, he was in. Will he make the team? I always liked him. I always thought he was going to be a good player. You know that I I always thought he would have been a good Yankee player. But you know, but uh, I, I always thought he was going to be better than. He's been. Yeah, no, he's uh, he he uh, he looked good in spring training before he's here. Uh, he he certainly gives you a left-handed bat uh, off the bench and some power as well. So you know that's another option. Has Melky looked good? What's that? Has Melky looked good? Uh, yeah, I've, I've only really seen him uh, probably a day and a half, uh, but he's he's looked fine. You know, I, he looks to be in shape, and uh, you know, like I said, he can hit. So it's it's hard to tell right now with uh, uh, you know when you, when you watch the simulated games and that the pitchers are well ahead of the hitters. Uh, you know, there there have been some guys who have turned on balls and got the ball out of the park, but it's it's kind of hard to tell at this point. Uh, but I you know I think eventually the hitters will catch up, and I think all of them will get the number of at bats they need. So. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see how it all evens out. But I I think that uh, you know thus far they've looked pretty good. And I think one thing you know with the with the Mets, which has helped them thus far, they've been pretty healthy. They haven't uh, you know they haven't had. A, I think Brad Brock is has not been here. He's one of the relievers. Um, you know, so there may be something COVID with him. I'm not sure. Uh, he is not. Uh, he has not surfaced yet, but you know, you look around at the division. Uh, you know, Freddie Freeman uh, is is down it, at this point. Marquez is out. Marquez. Marquez talked to him and decided yep. to opt out. Uh, yep. You know, Washington has been hit a little bit as well. So have the Phillies, for that matter. Noah, yep. Noah's uh, behind. So, you know, the Mets have been a little bit ahead in that regard. I don't know if it continues that way. Hopefully it does. But, uh, you know, maybe that gives them a little edge. We'll see. But uh, they, they've stayed healthy, and they're doing the protocols. And uh, they, they have talent here. They, there's no question they have talent. And, uh, you know, they, they could and probably should be a playoff team that they play to the capabilities. So we'll see. See what happens. I think the most important player on the Mets this year, other than the obvious, is Batanzas. I could be. Yeah, could very well be. He's uh, he's looked a lot better than what we saw in spring training, uh, simply because he was he was just kind of ramping up at that time, and he was only throw. I think he was below ninety. I think for the last time I saw him, but he's he's looked much better than that right now. He's probably not uh, in tip top shape uh, or exactly where he wants to be. Let me put it that way. But I, I think he's going to be clay. He said he'd probably get uh, somewhere about six or seven more turns. He pitched yesterday, um, and I, I think he'll be ready. He was also looked very uh, good. Is familiar. Familiar. Uh, good luck. I don't trust him. 
<laughs> I don't lost, trust he's, him. He's lost weight. You didn't trust Diaz either. <laughs> well, listen, I'm 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 on board. Listen, I'm on board. I think they should have traded Diaz. I I, I would I don't think Diaz ever is ever successful here. I think that I believe I will apologize to Diaz if he has a year like he had in Seattle two years ago. I think Diaz is going to lose the job as the closer this year. I I do not think he's going to close in New York. That's my opinion. All right, I I think uh, I think he's going to be okay, but uh, again, uh, there's no way for me to judge that at this point in time. We shall see over sixty, but and I do think he is going to be the guy that they you know that they tap. But I I also I get the sense too that you know with the with the sixty games they're going to use a lot. Of you can't let him give up fifteen homers in the ninth inning this year, Eddie. Well, that's absolutely. Well, I mean, if that starts again, Mike, it's going to be a short. Well, listen, I think everyone's got a short leash with six. Absolutely, minutes. but I mean, but I mean, have we have we ever seen a big reliever be worse than he was last yeah. year? My no, God, it was awful. It was you know, and especially when you consider from where it was the year before. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's uh, yeah, I know that was a disaster. Uh, and I don't think it's going to be that way this year. Uh, but again, you know, if you you have a couple of blips in a row, that's that's going to affect you. Drop down on the depth chart, I think, right away. And I, I think that goes for hitters too. I don't think you can go, you know, three four games with uh, you know a one for sixteen. You know, you're you're going to be sitting on somebody else's. Try to plug a bat in there to get them, get them hot. I think that's just the way it is. You know, ordinarily with a lot of veteran guys, you can ride them for a while and say, okay. I'll give you these two weeks and see where you are. Can't do that here, you know. Uh, you know hey, that, that many hey, weeks. Two weeks if the ground, if the if the sky doesn't fall. Two weeks to yeah. baseball, you know. Yeah. Two, well, we'll see. But, yes. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, I'm looking around the country. That's not. That's it's a long two weeks. I agree. There's a lot that could happen. Absolutely. Thanks, Eddie. We'll chat. Thank you. Eddie Coleman with the Mets, so we'll see. Hey, the Mets do have ability. I, I agree with that. I'm not a Diaz guy. I, I don't think Diaz is going to make it as their closer. Uh, but let's see. They're, they're willing. I, I don't know how long they'll go with them. I, they, they clearly are committed to him to start, but let's see how it works out. Casamigos Tequila, as always, uh, brings you the program, brought to you by those who drink it. Uh, we will see you tomorrow to wrap up a uh, week on a, what is supposed to be a very, very rainy Friday. We'll see you then. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.